This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Turn with me to the book of Acts, the 8th chapter. Acts chapter 8. Our study in Acts brings us to the end of this great chapter. The gospel has reached Jerusalem. Of course, that's where it all started, our Lord's work. Then in Judea. And because of Saul of Tarsus, persecution, winds of tribulation have forced believers to go to other places, and we noted that those were fruitful winds because as as those winds blew, it drove believers to places like Samaria, where there was a great harvest. But there's still a part of what Acts 1.8 talked about that hasn't been reached. You shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and Judea, and in Samaria, and where else? The uttermost parts of the earth. That hasn't happened yet, but the Lord of the harvest, who is ripening the harvest, is determined that that part of the harvest, hear the gospel as well. And so that brings us to the eighth chapter. In our text, we need to see tonight that the Holy Spirit not only uses winds of persecution to take us to places in the harvest field that need to be reaped, but he also uses specific promptings to direct us, to direct those who are listening, to be led to those souls that he has prepared for salvation. By the way, he's preparing every heart. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw how many men to myself? All. Not just the elect. All men to myself. All souls. All women. So we need to understand that when Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Matthew 28, 20, he wasn't just trying to encourage us, though of course that's important. I am never alone. When I am witnessing to anyone, it's always a team effort. It's me and the Holy Spirit of God. He's always with me. What an encouragement. But he also wants to see through Matthew 28, 20, that he is there for divine guidance. Specifically, he said, if you open your mouth, I'll fill it. And if you are a faithful witness, you've had those experiences where you engage somebody, you begin to talk to them, and as you use the Word of God, you can just see the Lord grip their hearts. Now, sometimes they get a little hostile because God is trying to grip their heart, and they're saying, no, no. Other times, you can just see the Lord draw them in. And so tonight I've entitled our message, The Spirit is Leading. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Who's doing the drawing? The Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit is leading. And the story of Philip and the Ethiopian that we're going to read and study tonight is proof of that. That the Lord desires that all men everywhere come to repentance. 
and the Holy Spirit is drawing them, and he is leading you and I to them if we're thinking that way, if we're willing to be led. In fact, I'll put my neck out a little bit here and just say this. I believe that the Lord is leading you even when you're not aware he's doing it. Have there ever been a time, has there ever been a time when you had an opportunity to share the gospel and later the Holy Spirit said, that was your chance, but we were distracted or our minds were someplace else. The point is the Spirit of God is leading. Now let me just pause for a moment and say one of the main proofs that the Spirit of God is leading is if you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ as Savior, guess what? The Holy Spirit led in your story. How many of you think the Holy Spirit was leading your story when you came to Christ? That ought to be everybody's hands. He worked so that you would be saved, and he's working so that he can use you to help others come to Christ. All right, and so let's look. We're in Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 26. Philip ended up in Samaria after fleeing Saul's persecution. We see in the text here that sometimes the Spirit's leading may seem random. Oh, there's persecution. We need to, we need to go and, and be protected. We need to protect ourselves. Yet at other times, he takes us to places where his leading is very specific. And so in verse 26, I see the Spirit prompting Philip. And in fact, there are two times where we see him prompting. And we're going to look at those. The first prompting is in verse 26. Note, and the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Philip had seen God working in Samaria. Souls had been saved. Exciting things had been happening. If I was Philip, I think I'll just stay put here. The farming's good. The crop is great. And the Holy Spirit said, nope, I've got somebody else I need you to talk to. And so he sends him into the desert region, uh, what would be probably south of Gaza because we're going to be introduced to a man who is heading home. He's heading back to Ethiopia. Now notice it wasn't the angel's job to go. It was Philip's. Again, we're reminded in the book of Acts that the Lord wants to be glorified through your witness and mine. Question, do you think the angels would do a better job at evangelism than we do? We weren't too eager to answer that, were we? Oh, the angels would do a great job. But the Lord didn't choose angels. One of the reasons is angels don't know the redemption you and I know. By the way, they did have to choose. They had to choose God too. But God didn't die for them. He died for us. And so we ought to be greater, greater, uh, in a greater way motivated to do this work of evangelism. God didn't send angels. He expects us to go. D.L. Moody once asked a man whether he was saved. The man replied, it's none of your business. Oh, yes, it is my business, Moody said. 
the man stepped back and exclaimed, then you must be D.L. Moody. <laughs> His reputation as a soul winner preceded him. That ought to be our testimony. It ought to be our testimony. Now, it's our responsibility to go, but we also must be willing and aware of the Spirit's promptings. This is the first prompting here in the text. Another will come later. But the point is, God wants to lead you to the right person at the right time. But you have to be ready to be led. When you're in a crowd of people, what do you see? People that are slowing my day down or people who need my Lord? Verse 27. And so Philip arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. I'm going to stop right there. If you take these phrases in the text and just follow what the story is doing, the Bible is trying to show us here, this was somebody. This is somebody of great significance when it comes to human standards. A queen, uh, history tells us that she actually had a son who was the king, but he had designated authority to her, and she had given authority to this man to oversee the great treasures of the empire of Ethiopia. But what was he doing in Israel? The text tells us. He had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now this is a man, he's going to be one of several that we're going to meet in the book of Acts. Someone who has turned from his previous life, his native gods, and he's seeking the God of the Jews. In Ethiopia, they didn't worship the God of heaven. It was pagan there too. So his heart is seeking the God of the Jews. But we need to understand this. As a eunuch, this man would not have been fully accepted into Judaism. However, he, has, uh, he was allowed to be what the Jews would have called a God-fearer. Not, not a full proselyte, but a God-fearer. Or they also referred to him as a proselyte of the gate. He could worship God, but he had to stand outside the gate. He didn't quite measure up to the rest of us. So he could worship, but he was not allowed into the covenant community. The point is this. The Jews wouldn't accept him, but Jesus would. Amen. Jesus would. He may not have fit their standards and fit into that religion, but he could have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Isn't that typical of religion? Your personal merits gain you acceptance. But this man was concerned enough about his spiritual state that he traveled hundreds of miles to find God. But here's the thing. He went away with an empty heart. The spiritual needs of the heart cannot be met by a religion or a location. He was in the place where Jesus died and rose again. 
He was in that place where they worshipped the God of heaven. These were God's chosen people. They had his law. You would think if location mattered, if a pilgrimage would do it for you. Ah, this guy had it made. Salvation is not found in any of that. In fact, a Christian in Jerusalem could have met this man and led him to the Savior. But that's not what happened. And I believe the Holy Spirit allowed him to go away empty for our instruction. It's not religion. It's not location. It's not someone's system that's going to get you saved. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone. Oh, by the way, notice what else he had, verse 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Guess what? This guy even had part of the Bible, a significant part of the Bible. He even had this book of Isaiah open and is reading a messianic text. He's sincere, but he's lost. He needed someone to show him the way. Now don't get me wrong, him reading Isaiah was part of what God was using to draw him in, but he needed somebody to explain it to him. Romans 10:14 says, "How then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer?" What does a proclaimer do? He explains the word of God, salvation through Christ. So right location, the right God. He's even got some of the Bible, but what does he need? He needs a witness. Hence, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go down to the desert, go down to Gaza. And he doesn't give him a whole lot of detail. And Philip Snaps to attention, salutes smartly, and he's on his way. And it's a wilderness. This doesn't make any sense. Who would be down there? He doesn't ask any of those questions. He just goes. If you're prompted, go and see what God has in store for you. Now, as Philip follows the Lord's leading, He's prompted a second time. Here's the second prompting, verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, he sees this guy in this chariot. He's reading the scripture, and the Spirit says to Philip, go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Bible scholars point out that in these days, out of reverence for God's word, their habit was they would read it openly. They would read it publicly. And so this reminds us, too, that not only is this Ethiopian reading the scripture and hearing what it says, he's probably got soldiers with him. Remember, here he's the treasurer for the kingdom. So there's probably a small army with him. There are servants and as he's reading Isaiah, guess what? Everybody else is here in Isaiah too. It's important to note here that as he hears this man reading, Philip knew immediately what he was reading. Which reminds us, you and I need 
to know our Bibles. Lost souls require you know your Bible. We're to be ready to have an answer to those that ask of the hope within us. That's not you just sharing your feelings or your thoughts. That's you sharing the word of God. He says to this man, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? Let me ask you a question. Do you think this was a smart guy? Oh, yeah. He's a smart guy. Are smarts enough to help you understand eternal salvation? No. Got to have the Spirit of God's help and a witness who also is empowered by the Spirit of God. And so he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. And it's from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. What's that mean? Well, let me explain it to you, and you can go back and study this further back in Isaiah. But the point is, Jesus was humiliated, and true justice was withheld from him. So this week we're going to, again, celebrate our Savior's death on the cross for us. But let me ask the question, was any of that fair and just? No. In fact, Friday night we're going to look at the fact that Pilate himself declared Jesus' deity in several ways. But one of the ways that he did it is he sent an innocent man to the cross. Is that justice? And, and to appease the crowd, he takes the innocent man first and he has him beaten to a bloody pulp. Is that justice? Beat him almost to death and then say, I don't find anything wrong with him. What? Humiliation, no justice, true justice was withheld from this victim. That's what Isaiah is declaring and who shall declare his generation? Many times at these trials, there would be a character witness that would step forward and say, no, no, he's not, he's not like that. We use that in our judicial system today. But there would be no one who would stand with Christ to declare his true righteous character. For his life is taken from the earth. And so he's reading these things. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, verse 34, I pray thee, please tell me, of whom speaketh this, uh, the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? He's seeking, he's reading, but he needed help. Now what a blessing this must have been as Philip followed the Spirit's promptings. He's in the wilderness and he looks off in the distance and there's a chariot. There are, again, there are probably other chariots. There are horsemen. There are probably soldiers. And, and he looks over there and he starts to move in that direction. And as he gets close, 
this Ethiopian, I don't think even saw him coming. He is engrossed in what he's reading, and he's reading out loud. What an encouragement it must have been to Philip to get close and say, hey, he's reading the prophet Isaiah. I think he probably paused like, wow, the Lord is working here. And the Holy Spirit said, go. This is your chance. So he joins himself to the man which led him to a guy who is clearly seeking to satisfy the greatest need of his soul. Again, Christian, have you ever experienced this blessed leading from the Holy Spirit? Have you, have you experienced that? If you will purpose to be a witness for Christ, you're going to get to experience it. I wish we could take time tonight to just let you share testimonies of people you've witnessed to, probably seen come to Christ, and, and you could declare, it's amazing how the Lord orchestrated that, how the Lord put all that together. Let me share one story with you tonight. remember sitting uh, in the church where I first pastored, and, and I was in the foyer, and a man walked in, and I could tell immediately this guy was upset. Okay, have you, have you ever seen somebody you can just tell that probably not having a good day, but they're coming your direction? So his name was Vic. He walked up, and he was as serious as could be. I met him, heard his name, Vic Bell Richard, and I said, you know, thanks for coming by the church. What? What can I do for you? He said, listen, my wife is studying with Jehovah's Witnesses. Can you come talk to her? Now, there were other churches in town. I don't know how he ended up at that church, our church. But the Holy Spirit prompted me, and I said to him, not, sure, I'll come by. I said to him, well, I'm concerned like you are, but let me ask you a question. If you were to die today, do you know for sure your sins are forgiven and that you're on your way to heaven? He said, no, I don't. So I took him into the office, shared the gospel with him. Vic Bell Richard came to Christ. Well, we planned for me to go by and visit with his wife sat down with her, began to share the gospel. Here's what was so interesting but sobering for me. Do you know what? His wife was a Christian. She was a believer. But she had never gotten grounded in the faith and some Jehovah's false witnesses knocked on her door and wanted to do a Bible study. And she thought, well, this is what I need. The Holy Spirit led her unsaved husband into our church so he could get saved, and I'll never forget being able to disciple those two together. Do you know that he became our facilities manager at the church, and he and his wife have raised their kids for God, and they're still in that church today. God's leading. I being in the way, the Lord led me, and I got to enjoy the blessing of that. But I'm nothing special. God hasn't done anything more for me than he has already done for you. And oh, by the way, I have the same calling on me that you have on you. And we're indwelt by the same Spirit of God. 
Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And so for our encouragement, the story moves from the Spirit's promptings to the Spirit's enlightenment. The Spirit's promptings, he's, he's putting all this together. But now, as Philip begins to witness to him and explain to him Isaiah's prophecy, God reaches in and he turns the light on. Verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now tonight, I've taken time to remind us from Isaiah's prophecy what it was saying about the Lord. But I am quite certain Philip the evangelist did a whole lot better job explaining it than I just did. And so he's sitting in this chariot with this Ethiopian and he's giving him, him the gospel. And by the way, he doesn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He doesn't have the book of Romans. What's he explaining out of? Isaiah! Isn't that wonderful? All scripture is profitable. You can lead people to the Lord out of the Old Testament. Now, just as a side note, many Bible scholars believe that Dr. Luke actually received this account directly from Philip the Evangelist years later. That this was a first-hand account, and that's why the story presents itself under inspiration. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. But it's presented this way. As such, Philip leaves out that he had any immediate knowledge of what had taken place in the Ethiopian's heart. Now this is again why you and I have to be led of the Holy Spirit. I'm not against this, but Philip did not say, now would you repeat this prayer after me? By the way, did the thief on the cross repeat a prayer after Jesus? No, but he did fulfill what Romans 10 tells us about being saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Philip explains this. And I wonder if the Ethiopian is like, well, that's exciting. And the chariot starts moving forward. And Philip's like, all right, well, we need to talk some more. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, again, I'm speculating, sanctified speculation. You know, what, what just happened here? It, it seems like he got it. Seems like he's excited about the truth. But here's the point. Truly, the gospel, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus that Isaiah proclaimed, that is the power of God unto salvation. And we're going to see it in just a moment. We'll see that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And so in the story, we're kind of hanging a little bit. We're, we're not sure what just happened here. 
Verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, he speaks up and says, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, if I'd been Philip, I would have thought, oh, I just explained this to him, and he wants to do a religious work in order to gain favor with God and be saved. But that's not at all what was in his heart. How do we know? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Now here comes the confession. Are you watching? And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Wow. There it is. So is he saved or isn't he? Oh, he's saved. Now let's just pause again for a moment. How did this man know he needed to be baptized? Well, there are a couple different ways perhaps. Jewish proselytes were baptized to be accepted into Judaism. Maybe he had already been baptized that way, which leads me to think that's not what he was thinking. Perhaps the Ethiopian had seen new Christians baptized while in Jerusalem. That could have happened. Now, it would have been a real danger if they were being baptized publicly, but we know, in fact, that they were continuing to be baptized after salvation. Perhaps Philip had included this teaching while witnessing to this man, and I think that's what happened. I think that he had already started to explain further truth to this man. Whatever the case, this was more of the Holy Spirit's enlightenment. What is also clear here and throughout the book of Acts, baptism is an important part of Christian obedience. It's not salvation. They that gladly received his word were baptized. Philip was not going to baptize this man unless he declared faith in Jesus Christ first. But it is an important part of Christian obedience and a public commitment to Christ. So I could stop here and say again through this man's example, if you have professed faith in Christ and you've never been baptized, you're not really committed to him. It'd be like a husband getting married and the wife saying, well, here's the ring. Well, I'm not sure I want to wear that yet. The ring doesn't make you married. But it's a testament. And by the way, can you all see that? I'm really excited that a few years ago, she gave that to me, and it's there for good because I can't get it off. But I also, all right, uh, I'm really thankful for the wonderful wife God gave to me. And I declare it. Public testimony. So this man was saved. Philip baptizes him. And by the way, notice the mode of baptism. And verse 38 says, He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. Was there an audience? I think there was a large audience. What a testimony to all of his servants and the soldiers of the queen and so on when he goes down into the water with this guy that just walked up out of the desert you imagine these soldiers? We've got warriors here. What is going on? What are they doing down there? But what really got their attention is what happened when they came up out of the water. 
when they were come up out of the water, immersion, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Do you know Philip had an Elijah moment? He disappeared, everybody. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he, the Ethiopian, went on his way rejoicing. Do you think he was convinced that what Philip had taught him from the scripture was real? Not only was he saved, but he had just gotten to witness a miracle. The guy that walked up out of the desert, he just disappeared. Wow! What was the Lord affirming for the Ethiopian? This Jesus of Nazareth, it's real, it's true. God graciously, supernaturally confirmed for this man the reality of Jesus. And of course, he had already placed his faith in the true Savior of men. Verse 40, was God done with Philip? No. Philip was found at Azotus. Again, that's about 20 miles from Gaza. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Do you know how far away Caesarea is? It's 60 miles right up the coast. So he travels that distance. And the whole time, he's just anybody he can preach to, talk to, he gives them a gospel witness. Why was he doing that? Well, he knew it was right, but here's another reason he was doing it. He had just seen God do a miracle down in the wilderness, and he wants to see more. Do you think when you lead somebody to the Lord, God looks down and says, okay, that's your quota for today? Not at all. When that happens, he's wetting our appetite. It's time to get back out in the harvest field. Let's see what else God will do here. Now, Christian, let's make this very practical tonight. The Spirit is leading. Are you and I following? Are we, are we with the program? Okay. Are we aware of lost souls and are we asking the Lord to work through us? Lord, just speak. I'm listening. Show me who you want me to talk to. Guide me today when I'm at work, when I'm out at a store. Lord, when I'm, when I'm doing my lawn and neighbors, I'm interacting with neighbors. Every time that you get to be with a lost person, here's the first thing you ought to think. This is a divine appointment. The Holy Spirit of God, would you lead and help me not to be fearful? Am I going to say the right thing? Are they going to react to me? No, stop. That's the flesh. Holy Spirit of God, I'm here. Just speak through me. Do your work through me. And help me not to fall short because I am trusting me and thinking that I've got to make something happen here. Don't do that. Let God do the work through you. Now, there's another way that God uses, uh, or God brings about divine appointments. And there are two ways for you to, to let God use you, okay? And here, here they are. First of all, we need to be out creating opportunities. What did Jesus say? Look on the fields, they are white. Go out in the highways and the hedges and just stand there and say, all right, Holy Spirit, have somebody come talk to me. No compel them to come in. What's that mean? Create opportunities. 
Have a track in your pocket all the time. And don't just hand it to them. Talk through it with them. Take it as far as you can in those situations. Now, the Holy Spirit will lead you. If you're in a grocery line and there are 10 people behind you, that's not the time for a gospel presentation. So say a few kind words and just, just say, look, and, and I'll never forget, I was, I was in a McDonald's restaurant as a teenager, and there was an older gentleman, he had a McDonald's ministry. And I, I don't even know if the manager was paying attention. I don't think this guy cared. But he was going table to table. And our youth group was in there. He was going to table to table with tracks and he was handing them to people. And I'll never forget, I overheard him what he was saying. He would walk up to a table and he'd engage him. He was so kind. He let him know he cared. Just his demeanor. And here's what he'd say. He'd say, now listen, if you read this and believe it, I'll see you in heaven. Wow. Then he'd go to the next table. How are you folks today? Oh, is this your child? Oh, you've got a wonderful family. And, and listen, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me give you something that explains from the Bible how you can be saved. If you read it and believe it, I'll see you in heaven. He'd go to the next table. I've never forgotten that. So have tracks with you. But then there are opportunities through your church. Do you know that God is bringing people to good news every single Sunday. Now, if he brings them here, do you think we have an obligation to follow up with them? Yes or no? Let me try that again. Yes or no? Yes! Who's going to follow up? Well, that's what we pay the pastoral staff for. You're, you're chuckling because I know you don't think that, but some Christians do. That's your job. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Show me in the Bible the gift of evangelism. I see the gift of the evangelist. Not the gift of evangelism. That's not here, folks. Some folks do it better than others. You know why some folks do it better than others? Because they practice. And so we have an outreach director now who's doing a great job. If you want a good outreach director, get a converted Mormon. I'll tell you what, they, they are good at Anyway, Jared, I'm, I'm picking on you. But he, he gets these visits. He and I meet weekly. We talk through, all right, who would be the best person to follow up? Many times you're going to find these folks know Christ as Savior. But we need to check them out. We live in the South. North of the South. Okay, you, you know what I mean. People know the lingo. Do you think they're all saved? No. Check them out. Hear their testimony. Give them the gospel. But how shall they hear without a proclaimer? And so he looks at those visits. He and I talk about those visits. And, and maybe as somebody with a military background, we think about you military members. Maybe if somebody lives over in this neighborhood, oh, they're your neighbor. You may not have met them yet, but... And, and so we, we try to let the Holy Spirit lead us in getting visits out so that God can use and lead you. And it's all of our responsibility. 
I love what God is doing at Good News, and you know that we're talking to an architect. He just sent me the revision of the plans, and things are moving forward there. But if we stop reaching people for the Lord, we will die. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say it takes evangelistic unction to make orthodoxy function. You know, there are churches that believe all the right things and they're about to die. How does that happen? Because God didn't tell us to sit within our walls and have sweet fellowship. He told us to reach the world for him. That's our responsibility. And oh, by the way, when they come to Christ, is our job done? I, I look out and I see many, many mothers tonight. Wasn't it wonderful? You had that baby, handed the baby to the nurse. You said, this is great. See you later. Or did the work just begin? The work just began. They need to be fed. They need to be taught. And the same is true in the church of Jesus Christ. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And so when folks come to Christ, and it may not be somebody you led to the Lord, but God may give you the opportunity then to disciple them. When they come to Christ, again, we are, we are monitoring this right now. The, the Great Commission is to help them be disciples, learner followers of Jesus. You can go to the Welcome Center then. Uh, somebody you've led to the Lord or somebody maybe that was recently saved and God brought them to good news. And we have two discipleship uh, series uh, th there. We've got Foundations for Christian Living. Uh, it's material that I wrote. And then there's also Living the Exchange, the material that Jeff Musgrave and the exchange that they've uh, printed. And you can check those out at the Welcome Center. What's involved there is you well, it's free. You just take it. There's a card on the front. You tear that off. You leave it with uh, the folks at the Welcome Center. It says, Discipler. That's you. Disciplee, whoever you're going to disciple. Then you take your Bible, that material. Each week you line up a time to meet with them. You go through lessons with them. Every two lessons, there is a report. What's the report? Again, it's, it's so that you can say, uh, all right, here's, here are the areas where I've gotten to help them spiritually. Here are areas where they need prayer. It's very clear. It's not intrusive, uh, but what is the purpose of that for? And, and if you're being discipled, you say, I didn't know that was happening. It's simply this. That comes to the pastoral staff. Nobody else sees it. We read it, we get to pray, we get to know you better as a, as a fellow believer, and then we just initial that we got to see what God is doing in your life. Pastoral staff see it, and then it goes away. Nobody, nobody else sees that. But it helps us then, as the under-shepherds here, to know the sheep, especially the new ones. How many of you think that's our biblical obligation responsibility? All right, it absolutely is. And so the organization is there. Are you available? I know you're called. Are you available? By the way, if you're retired, we really want to get you helping us. OK? 
Okay? You have a little bit more flexibility. And oh, by the way, you've got spiritual maturity that can be a great help to somebody who's new in the faith. And so I look at this text and I get so encouraged because the Holy Spirit is ripening the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. And if we will go forth into the harvest field, letting him direct our steps, we're going to see fruit. And it will be so exciting to be used this way. Remember, some plant, some water, God gives the increase, but who gets the reward? Anybody involved in that process? Anybody involved in that process? And heaven will be sweet. What a joy it will be to be in heaven and see folks that you influence for the kingdom who are there because you were willing to let the Holy Spirit work through you. So Christian, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. He will enlighten those you witness to. Our job is to be willing to go, to speak, to be led. And God will work through you and do his part if you will yield to him and follow his call. Young people, you don't grow into a time when, okay, now I can be a witness. I'm old enough. No, you be a witness now. God can use you. Anything I've said tonight, God can use you too. I'm so thankful I got to see that as a young person. Our youth pastor would take us out. We'd knock on doors. We'd witness. We had ministry in a nursing home. Uh, one of the first people I ever led to the Lord was a little Italian teenager. He came to Christ. I got to disciple him, do some other things to help him. He's from a very poor home. Uh, and guess what? That, that rascal turned around and married my cousin. God is good. I look back at those, oh boy, I needed work as a witness, but God used it. Why? He gets the glory and his word is powerful. So let God use you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is leading. We don't even have to question that. We don't have to wonder about that. And thank you for the example of Philip who was so faithful, was in tune with your leading. And, and what a joy to read this text. History tells us, Lord, that the Ethiopian went back and there was a major revival and a significant church that grew in Ethiopia. Because you led a missionary, a Christian, into the wilderness, and he was faithful to his call. Now, Lord, this week there are lost souls in Hampton Roads, and there's a small army here, and dwelt by the Spirit of God. Lord, you want to use us this week. Would you help us to go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, and you said, will doubtless come again rejoicing. So, Lord, help us to be serious about this. Help us to realize that Philip didn't have any extra help that we don't already have too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org 
or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.